Day guys, we're back here live in the studio one more time once again for another episode of Hot Takes of TP3 and the Daily Degenerate crossover. We got a great episode for y'all today. Um, this is our NBA season preview. Y'all know who hosts Daily Degenerate podcast. His name is none other than the Cohen Hughes. Cohen, introduce yourself to the people one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and girls, after 120 odd days. The NBA is finally back. I'm repping my Jazz jersey on right now because it's opening day, not only for the NBA, but for my Utah Jazz. Got a great game tonight between the uh, Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans. We finally get to see Zion in the playoffs. Oh, I'm so excited, Cohen. I mean, I woke up this morning. Usually, I don't have to be online for work at 9. I, I was up and out of bed by 7.50 this morning. If that yeah, yeah you had texted me really early. You were like, yeah, I think I'm liking the Reds today. You know, like, like you were you were just <laughs> like mad early, earlier than you usually are. Yeah, I'm not even lie. I woke up at 5 a.m. and checked to see what time it was. I was like, shit, as early as I can, I'm getting out of bed this morning, getting going for big, big afternoon. But – we got to break every single team down for y'all. Um, let's go ahead and start things off in the Eastern Conference. And we'll start out with the nine-seeded right now, the Washington Wizards, who sit six and a half games out. They have to get in four games within there to go ahead and get this playoff started. I mean, I broke down for y'all a thousand times why I'm so low on the Wizards on like three different podcasts. They have Bradley Beal and Davis Berton sitting out. Berton's currently sits seventh in the NBA at three-point percentage, and he's top 10 at three-pointers made. Bradley Beal, I mean, he's top five leading scorer in the league. I mean, this guy is an absolutely unstoppable scorer. Um, I mean, without these guys, and obviously John Wall still out for the season, I mean, I give the Wizards little to zero chance. I mean, I would be, I took their win total under three, which I told y'all on Twitter before that it got steamed down. It currently sits at one and a half now, as does the Nets, who's the next team we'll talk about. I mean, this team's going to be complete garbage and get ran through. You got anything you want to say about them, Cohen? No, I think it, um, the chance of them to win more than one game is closer to zero than it is to little. Um, when you're missing your three best players and it's not close, um, this is just a lot in life that you get. I was really looking forward to see Bradley Beal play in these 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 kind of weird playoffs because he can kind of get those scoring numbers up and he can kind of get himself paid through the end of the season. But with the three top guys being out, I, I see extremely little chance to even be competitive in more than two of these games. Yeah, I'm going to say this, and this goes for the Nets, the Wizards, and some of these other teams that, I mean, I have in the category of teams I think have no chance out here. I think teams are going to smell blood in the water with these teams and know this is like their chance to get the big win that they absolutely have to have. So I'm very, very low on these teams. And, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The Wizards were already the team that everyone was like, why the hell are they here? So, I mean, that's all we need to say about them. I would rather see your Utah, or your, your Atlanta Hawks in than the Washington Wizards. I mean, my Atlanta Hawks, honestly, if we had Capella all season and John Collins, we'd be the eight seed right now. So, but that's a conversation for another day. We got to stay on the topic <laughs> since we got a lot of stuff to cover. Me and Cohen could sit here and debate each one of these topics for hours. We could. 
Um, the next team we're going to go with here is we'll just go ahead and go with the Nets. Obviously, they sit in the seven seed, the Magic are the eight seed, but the Nets, I mean, they had Wilson Chandler, they had um, they had Kyrie, Katie all sit out um, pretty much out of their starting five every and their next best players, which would be DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench are all not playing. All they have is Karis Levert and Jared Allen that have started any games for them se- this season. And they're even missing other guys on the bench too, like Torian Prince. I mean, I would argue, honestly, this is what roster is even worse than the Wizards at this point. What do you think about that, Cohen? I don't think this roster is worse than the Wizards because they have Karis Levert. Um, but when your big four is Karis Levert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, and Garrett Temple – there's some blood in the water to be smelled. Um, I think they, they still are better than the Wizards, so I don't think they're going to lose their, um, their, their number eight playoff spot. I think the Magic are going to overtake them for the, for the seven. But um, I don't see any chance that you win more than, than a game. They looked okay in, uh, in two of the scrimmages, like um, Karis LeVert went off in one of them. But they were also beat up pretty big in the first one, scoring like 60 points the whole game. So I'm going to go ahead and fade the Brooklyn Nets really hard. I don't think they drop out of the eight, but I do think they go back to the eight. Yeah, you know, I don't think they drop out of the eight. I definitely think they go back to the eight. I mean, the only winnable game for the Wizards or the Nets is when they both play each other for their second game on Sunday, August 2nd. I mean, that's going to be a battle of who's worse and who wants it more to see who's going to but, I mean, at the end of the day, the Wizards won't win enough games to get up there and get within no. four and force this playoff, so I don't even worry about it. Let's move now to the seven seed, or we're assuming will be the seven seed, which is the Orlando Magic. And, I mean, you kind of want to start us off, Cohen, about what you think would be the key to the Magic winning some games and pulling some upsets? So the Magic do have a lot of their team. Uh, they're going to miss Jonathan Isaac, Alfreak, and Moody. No, 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 no. He – Isaac actually ended up playing in that last scrimmage game, and I they're saying they're going to try himself. to give him some minutes. I, I yeah, no, he'd yeah he'd been out, and that was his first return to action was the last scrimmage game. Mm, that's 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 good then, because I thought that it mm-hmm. was like a retroactive thing, like he had came to the bubble, played in the scrimmages, and then and then they had kind of ruled him out for the rest of them because he had re aggravated. But that's good news. Um, but you're going to miss Alfred Camino and Markel Fultz, who should have never been the number one pick anyway. Um, their team is big. They have a very large built team. They looked good in two of the scrimmage games. They scored 110 in two of them. Um, I think 116 in, in, in the third one. I think they are going to take the seventh spot from the from the Nets, but I don't think there's any outside chance for them to contend in the in the extended playoffs. Yeah, I'm actually actually Markel Fultz is appears to be likely that he will play actually in the restart is what they're saying. That's what was reported a day or 19 hours ago by the Orlando Sentinel. But, um, I mean, I agree with you. I think at the end of the day that it's going to come down to if the Magic – I mean, the Magic have the size inside. But the thing is they have so many freaking big men, they need better guard play. I mean, Fultz can't really shoot. So, I mean, that doesn't really add to your ability to shoot or anything. But, I mean, Terrence Ross shot awful in all three of these comeback games. And in my opinion, he's their biggest weapon shooting the ball. Because, I mean, Ross is one of those guys he can come in off the bench and – catch fire he might fill it up for 20 or 30 on you easily you know banging eight seven eight three pointers they need him and evan fournier though to hit threes for them and honestly dj augustine augustine did play well which is a good thing for them but overall i mean the magic are going to be going up against the raptors the celtics or possibly even the bucks and i mean they stand absolutely no chance against those teams no they don't there's not enough star power to to overtake some of the stars in the east 
Yeah, I mean, I think they can do a decent job slowing a game down against one of those teams, but at the end of the day, they don't have what it takes to get by in these. They need a dot. They need to swap one or two of those big men in for a dominant guard. What was the the over under total? Was it two and a half for the Magic? For the Magic, um, I'm not 100 percent sure about that one. To be completely honest with you, though, I'm really not a fan of playing any of these teams' win totals just because. One, you don't know what the motivation is going to be like. Two, you don't know who can and can't get coronavirus. So to me, the only way I'm playing, like I said the same thing when the MLB restarted, the only way I'm playing a team is if I'm already very down on them and want to take the under because that, just, if anything, gives me more incentive to take an under with them. So, I mean, the only two win totals that I played was the Nets and the uh, and the Wizards, but that was when they were at two and a half and three and got now they're steamed all the way down to one and a half for both of those teams. So, I mean, I don't, to be honest with you, I really don't see any value in playing win totals for any of these teams unless it's like the Bucks or the Lakers and you're assuming that they're going to rest players. And to your point, um, like Yahoo had reported that Markel Fultz and Isaac weren't going to play. Like they said, like they they said in big bold bolded letters out. But you have websites that dispute the the claims. Mm-hmm. So who knows which roster we're going to get? Yeah, I'll also say that too. And be honest with you, it's been weird finding. I mean, me and Kellen yesterday FaceTimed each other a couple times trying to find good information for all this stuff. I mean, the good information you would want typically is not out there as big as you think it would be for this Orlando bubble. But and if it is out we, there, it's not organized in the way that we want it. Like yesterday, Penland, I he, he he gave me the easy one, the East, but he took the 14 teams out of the West. He was having to go through NBA.com and look at box scores separately for games over the eight day schedule that they played games in. And it was just, it was, it was mind numbing. I hated doing the East. I can only imagine how you felt doing the West. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It took me at least an hour and a half to sit there and break everything down and decide what I did and didn't like. But no, I mean, I agree with you, but trust me though, guys, me and Cohen found some great information. I read some little articles from each team's. Like I tried to read the most recent article from each team's home newspaper. Cause I figured that would have the best information. So I did my best to find the best information, but I mean, I think we have some really good stuff here for everyone um let's keep things moving now to the indiana pacers and i actually have the pacers listed again as another one of my teams that have no chance i was very very high on the pacers coming in here and i actually thought the pacers had a really good chance to knock off their first round opponent and honestly even win the entire eastern conference i really thought that highly the pacers but now you've demontis sabonis who is definitely going to miss some time with a foot injury it still hasn't been reported the severity of it but he's not even with the team in the bubble right now so he'd have to quarantine for four days on top of that, and I'm sure he's not working out with the injured foot, so he'd be extremely out of shape. Then on top of those things, Oladipo still hasn't decided yet if he's going to play or not. I think that's another negative. And Jeremy Lamb is out for the season, so overall, all these injuries and everything adding up, I mean, I think the Pacers will cover some spreads and catch some teams off guard, but I don't think they're a real threat to do much of anything. Um, I have written down right here that Yahoo told me that Oladipo still could play, but the wording around it said most likely not going to play. If he does play, it'll be That's later on in, in, in the bubble. Um, mm-hmm. with, with him and Jeremy Lamb out, Lamb out, I don't think there's there's a shot in, in hell. And with Sabonis, like you said, um, they were two and one in the scrimmages, which is which is a good sign. But I think they were overachieving in those, kind of playing up to the level of competition above mm-hmm. the scrimmage level of competition. Um, both the Holiday brothers look good and the bench is scoring, but this is a moot point without Victor Oladipo. Yeah, and also, too, I don't really think the results in the scrimmages mean too much because, I mean, the Lakers were smoking the Mavericks by, by almost 10, 15 points, and then Davis and LeBron stopped playing, and the Mavericks came all the way back and won. <laughs> so, to be honest with you, I don't think the – final score means much in those scrimmage games but I think it's all about how the key players played and shot and how the chemistry looked out on the court when you have your starters in 100 
Um, let's keep things moving though here now and slide down to our five seed, which would be the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, well, I'll let you start off with them, Cohen. What do you think about them and what do they need to improve on to have a chance here? I think the Philadelphia 76ers are an immensely talented team, but they're not very well coached. Um, and I think you, you made a great point there. There are teams in the NBA that really benefit from having their home crowd, like the Utah Jazz, like the Miami Heat, and like the Philadelphia 76ers. So I think not having their home crowd involved won't make or break their their bubble, but I think it's going to have a, a downward effect and a negative kind of effect on them. Um, ben, we're hearing reports that Ben Simmons is reportedly adding a three to his game, which I don't agree. Um, they weren't in great form in the scrimmages. They went one and two and – Embiid really didn't look great. He looked okay. Ben looked a little bit better. Um, you're going to need the bench contribution and Tobias Harris to, to increase to be able to hang with the true big boys of the East. But when it's mm -hmm. all said and done, this is just not my Utah Jazz fan I'm talking. I think the Sixers are pretenders. Yeah, you know, see, look, the 76ers were 29-2 and at home and 10-24 and on the road. On my other podcast, I'm going to listen to that one if you want to hear how they were last year. But, I mean, it was a lot the same as well. I mean, this team has proven under Brett Brown they can't play anywhere besides at home in Philadelphia. I think that is massive. But be honest with you, I think the 76ers actually have – I mean, I kind of thought they would be one of those high-variance teams that could have had a fundamental change because they moved Shake Milton to the starting lineup and moved Al Horford to the bench. They had the worst offensive rating in the entire NBA when they had Horford, Simmons, and Beaton Harris on the floor together, which, I mean, you can't have. So I thought that was a really good fundamental change for the team. But, I mean, Ferk hasn't been shooting well at all, and he's arguably their best shooter. I mean, him and Harris is probably their best shooter. Embiid played the first game, hasn't played in the other two. His status is yet to be known. Obviously, Horford can fill in for him, but – Overall, I'm still not very high on the 76ers here in this situation. I mean, at least they got a healthy Ben Simmons back because, I mean, he was hurt for about the last three weeks of the season before we got to this point. I'm going to agree with you, though. I think in order for them to do anything out here, Tobias Harris is going to have to take over and start putting up, you know, in the 20-point-per-game area, and he's going to have to hit four or five threes. I mean, he's going to need to be a sharp shooter from three in order to give them a chance. But I will say this, the 76ers do have a chance. I can't they write do. them off completely. They do. No, no, you can't because of how immensely talented they are and because of, you know, mm -hmm. like how, how big they are. They're a really big team. Um, I just don't think – the way that I see it for the Philadelphia 76ers, and you touched on it, having the worst offensive rating in the league without Horford in, I think that their offense predicates a lot of having to be set up and players have to play off of each other. There's no real independent – threat in terms of scoring even Ben Simmons he has to play downhill and he has to you know kind of run the pace mm -hmm. to be able to play I don't think they have that volume scoring in bulk and that independent scoring to, to to be able to hang with teams like the Celtics or the Bucks or even the hell the Raptors so on that re like this mm -hmm. is like Shark Tank and for that reason I'm out on the 76ers yeah, and also my fault as well. The 76ers and Pacers are currently tied with the same record but that was kind of me being a little you know assuming a little We're bit looking ahead yeah, we're looking ahead a little bit. Um, I will say this, though, about our next team here, the four seed, the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are very similar to the 76ers in the fact that they are 27-5 and five at home and 14-19 and 19 on the road this season. Also, the Miami Heat and the Sixers, the Heat um, are both uh, three – or the Heat are three games back and the Sixers are five games back from the Celtics and the Raptors. The thing is, I don't think either of them can catch those teams – but I know for a fact every single team in the East and the West is going to fight, scratch, and claw their way to get out of that 4-5 team and to get out of the eight seed so they can avoid the Bucks and the Lakers as long as they possibly can throughout these playoffs. All that being said, Cohen, how are you feeling about the Heat coming in here and what do you think they're going to do? 
I feel like the Heat have a less talented roster overall than Philadelphia. I could see them finishing below Philadelphia in that regard. Um, I think the Heat are a very grinding bunch, and they do benefit from having Eric Spolstra, who has previous playoff and, and, and this mm. kind of crunch time coaching experience. Um, not having a home crowd will hurt, just like the 76ers and, 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 and the Utah Jazz. If this team wants to have a chance, Jimmy Butler has to be able to score at will. Not any of this, hey, set me up, get me going quick. You have to be able to score at will independently. Harrow has been really really good in the bubble. Harrow has really played well. I really enjoy watching him play, but I don't know if they have enough top-end talent to be able to run with the big boys. Yeah, I think Hero needs to be a little more consistent, though. He had some – he had – don't get me wrong. He had a really great game, I think, in their second game or was their third game. I think it was the second. The, yeah, the other two, though, his shooting was very, you know, very up and down. He's got to find a little consistency getting back here. Also, he was hurt a good portion of the season, so – he was kind of just getting back in the swing of things when every when he or when the season shut down. Kendrick Nunn shot the ball horribly, I think, but I mean they have some depth those guard positions, so they can afford to kind of bump somebody out of the rotation a little bit. Bam Adebayo only played in one game as well. That is a little something to watch out for, but he did play well in that game, which was the last game. So I don't know if that actually means anything, but I thought it's worth mentioning. I mean, I agree with you. The main thing is we can the Heat win without the home crowd, just like the Celtics. I think fortunately that both these teams get to match up each other in the first. In that first round which will be kind of a bloodbath but I think after that you know I'm not I honestly would sell both those teams I don't think either of them can beat the Raptors or the Celtics or the Bucks in the second round so the way that I see the Celtics I think that in terms of a basketball analytic standpoint they're the best built team in the east mm-hmm. and I think they have a top two coach you could you can kind of battle with me on who's a better coach uh Budenholzer or or Wait, or Brad Stevens? Brad I mean, are, Stevens. You, are you saying they're the top two in the league or in top the top two coach in the East? Okay, okay. I was about to say, whoa. Nah, 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 nah. Come on. Watch your mouth. I think that Brad Stevens is a really good coach, and I think he fits what the Celtics want to do really well. I think the Celtics have a lot of talent. They're almost as talented as the Sixers. Um, can their young guys get in this playoff and kind of because they don't have the experience, it's going to be tough for them to get in this weird situation and excel. How are they doing the bubble? How are they, you know, kind of reacting to quarantine and being in this odd situation, their second and third year in the league? Um, I think they can realistically win this conference. I, if, if you ask me who I like out of the top three teams the best, I like the Celtics the best. But Toronto had their number last year. Even the 76ers drew out that series against them. I think that it's going to be really tough for the Celtics to get out of the East, but they can do it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I want to buy the Celtics, but I really can't buy in on them. I mean, Kimball Walker's knees still very unhealthy. Brad Stevens' system, though, we've seen point guards like Terry Rozier step in for Kyrie Irving. We've seen Brad Wanamaker step in and play decently well. I mean, even Carson Edwards has been playing well lately. But I think Jason Tatum's going to have to step up and take this over as his team at the end of the day. He has not played well since the bubble return. But if Tatum can get back to midseason form, I'd agree with you that it'll change things. Jalen Brown has been hot. But I actually think I'm going to go very out of the box here with who I think is going to be the key to this team. And I think that it's all going to come on Ennis Cantor. They're going to need him to bang in the paint and to keep guys like Giannis, to keep guys like Embiid, keep guys like Spicy P, Ibaka. He's going to have to neutralize them in the paint and battle with those big men. I question the Celtics' depth in the paint. And, I mean, playoff games we've seen are a lot more slower paced and everything. I think these other teams can slow down and take advantage of their size and beat the Celtics up. I think Enos Cantor can't stop any of those guys, but if he can slow them down, it'll do great things for keeping the game in bay and at reach for the Celtics to grab and take it. Yeah, and to be honest with you, not many guys in the league can stop those guys, no, so if that makes no, you feel. Yeah, you can't all, stop them, so just slow them down. 
Exactly, exactly. Um, keep things moving here still, and we've got the Toronto Raptors who currently sit three games up from the Celtics, and they sit six and a half games back from the Bucks. So pretty much as long as the, the Bucks win two games, they have no chance of catching them. Um, I think the key is for the Raptors, look, they have a lot of strength in numbers. They have a lot of depth. Not one player matters that much, but at the same time, I'm going to contradict myself here and say one player does matter. When you have all that depth and everything and you don't have a guy like, like Kawhi to me brought everyone together and he took over in playoffs and made everything mesh for them. He was the man. They need, yeah, they need Siakam or Van Vliet or Lowry or, I mean, Mark Gasol, Ibaka. They need one of those guys to step up and say they're the man. And when they need to get a basket, they can get one for him. I mean, there are some times, man, in those playoffs where they struggle to get a basket and they turn to Kawhi and they said, here, bail us out. And luckily Kawhi did. So I have a very odd read and you call me a hater because I think I am being a hater here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the Toronto Raptors are that scary. I think that it was odd that they won the championship last year, despite not being even close to a top six team in the NBA. Um, one thing that I will say is that their core was so young, having another year of that core together can only make them better. Um, and especially, you know, Pascal Siakam started out with what, 17 points a game last year. And then now is at mm-hmm. 27. That's a great jump. You know, that's something that you can't really ignore and shake your head at, but I just call, call me a hater. I, I, I completely understand. I said You're the same hater. thing about the Washington Nationals. That I don't think that they should have won the title last year. I think that it was kind of a fluke. You got hot at the right time, which is great. I applaud getting hot at the right time. But the Toronto Raptors do not scare me. As 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 the Celtics or the or the Bucks, the Toronto Raptors do not scare me. I think that the lack of, of a guy will kind of play into their fault. I think Kyle Lowry can be that guy but his efforts won't be enough if he's the guy if it has to be spicy p or it's nobody yeah i'm gonna agree with you on that one i think it does have to be spicy p or nobody but at the same time i feel like that van vliet has got a little bit of that dog in him van vliet though is a little more of a defensive guy but honestly i really liked what norman powell did too for him but i'm gonna call you a little bit of a hater thing here i, hater. I think the, i know it. i know I, it. I think that the Raptors, not only do they have one of the best players, I mean, one of the best players in the Eastern Conference, Spicy P, but I honestly think that Nick Nurse doesn't get the respect he deserves for being the coach. He is this man, Nick Nurse, knows how to dial up a defense and he knows how to shut someone down and take your one player out of the game if he needs to. I think that Nick Nurse will have something up his sleeve here. And be honest with you, I don't hate taking Toronto to win the Eastern Conference. I really don't hate it. I'm not going to, but I really don't hate that pick at all. So after after I, I hated on the Raptors and I kind of give gave my personal eye level surface level mm-hmm. take on them. Here's what I have written down: Another year with this young core growing is really good. Pascal is now the center of this team. Serge Pascal, Kyle Lowry, and Fred Van Fleet is a good top four group of players. But can they win several series and can they play at the highest level in the bubble? The defending champs have a lot to prove. It's just a big question mark for me. No, I mean, I definitely agree with you there. Until someone steps up, you definitely got to question it. And that's why our next team, the Milwaukee Bucks, I question the same thing too. I mean, we know for a fact what we're going to get from Giannis. I mean, we've seen him since the restart. I mean, he's played under, he's played 20 minutes exactly in all in the two games he played in and he scored over 20 in both of them, if that says anything. I mean, this guy's pretty much unstoppable in the paint, but at the end of the day, these teams like the Raptors, these teams like the, honestly, the 76ers, in my opinion, match up well against them. The Heat match up decently well, 
But, I mean, these teams that can park two big men in the paint, they just back off Giannis and say, beat his shooting because they know he can't. I mean, somebody's going to have to step up here, and that's my biggest question. I mean, Middleton tried one game. I mean, George Hill tried for him one game. But we're going to need to see Eric Bledsoe pick up the pace and pick this team up. I think Eric Bledsoe is the key to this team, but I honestly don't think he's going to come through in the way they need him to. I actually don't he think – He also has COVID right now. I was about to say, I actually don't think he's going to be starting the first two or three games. So Yeah, he's not. I'll put it to you this way. And call me a hater again. There, there are several elements of this team that I love. I love Giannis. I love Mike Budenholzer. I love the mm-hmm. way they're built defensively. I love Brooke Lopez. I, I love it. One thing that I don't love is having Chris Middleton as your second option scorer. I like Chris Middleton as a, as a player, but he cannot carry any sort of load. His back is very light. He cannot tote loads. Here's what I have written down. They're the best team in the East until proven otherwise. You need help from your spot scorers outside of Giannis from the outside. Your best game was was the second scrimmage game against the Kings. Lopez and Middleton have looked good, need to contribute more to help Giannis. At this point, it's their conference to lose, and that's kind of scary because I'm a little bit down on the Bucks because they don't have that top-end talent around Giannis. That's why I'm so high on the Celtics is because, they, they're, in my opinion, they're the best-built team in the East. But in my opinion, I mean, they have no one who can stop and hang with Giannis. I think these other teams have decent ways to stop him, and they're built the correct way to stop him, except for the Celtics. That's what scares me about the Celtics. I could see the Celtics getting the conference finals, but I don't think they're built the proper way to get past the Bucs. Look, I agree with you, though. I think the Bucs are a worse team this year than they were last year even. I think – I think the East is a little bit worse as well this year than it was last year. So, I mean, I'm going to take the Bucs to win the East. I'm going to go ahead and say this, though. I'm not putting a cent of my money on the Bucs to win the East, and nor am I going to sit here and tell you all it's a lock. Because, I mean, I agree with you that the Bucs got worse, but I just don't really think we have another option to win the East, you know? I actually do think that the East got a little bit better with the introduction of the Brooklyn Nets and the Magic playing a little bit better than they have. And the fact that the Sixers – or finish the season in the in the in the sixth spot is is sort of a, a testament to how much tougher the East did get. Um, my my pick right now, and I and I'm kind of with you that because the East did get a little bit better and there's more question marks. I'm going to have the Boston Celtics to win the East. Okay. I'm not going to put a cent of my money on it because I'm not that confident. But in my opinion, the Celtics have the the a top two coach in the East and their, and their team is built a little bit better than the Bucks. And I think the Raptors are, were a flash in the pan. Call me a hater if you want to, but Celtics beat the Bucks in the Eastern conference finals. Um, you know, I definitely don't hate it. I just don't know how they're going to stop Giannis. So, I mean, I'm going to say that I just don't, I don't hate it, but I mean, it, to me, it's only going to be Milwaukee, the Celtics or the Raptors that make it out of there. So one of the we'll be seeing one of those three teams here soon. Um, let's go ahead and flip things over now to the Western Conference. And I mean, we're not going to say too much on the Suns to start things off. I'm just going to go ahead and say this about the Suns: Devin Booker did not shoot the ball well in these scrimmage games. Um, I didn't look into them too much, just because honestly, I mean, the Suns, in my opinion, have absolutely zero percent chance of making the playoffs and making any storm here. I mean, I think it's a good thing, though, that they have their young core together just because Aiton missed so many games, and they have these young guys like Mikel Bridges who looks like they're promising. They so have I think a, it's a decent good team. That like, like, like Rubio was the point, like they have a decent team. They just don't have a, a top-end elite score to go along with Booker, and when Booker looks bad, their team looks even worse. 
Yeah, I just think they need a little bit more on the wings. Like, I like DeAndre Ayton in the middle. I just think that Booker needs someone else who can take a little pressure off him on the on the perimeter scoring the ball. But I'm going to agree with you on this one, Cohen. I think it's a good thing that they're here, and I kind of like their young team. I just think it's too soon. I think they're going to get smoked out here. Me too. If they win two games, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one. Next team here is the, is the San Antonio Spurs who, I mean, are not only are they in a similar position here as the Suns, but you don't have LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, you don't have um, – I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on one of the people, but you also don't have um, – Who? Brent Forbes. Oh, yeah, you don't have your one of your best sharpshooters to spread the floor for you, but you also don't have Trey Lyles as well. So did a little research when the, LaMarcus Aldridge got ruled out, and so – LaMarcus Aldridge logged the majority of their paint. He's the only player they have that plays big man that averaged over 10 points per game. Trey Lyles averaged the next in uh, Yaka portal averaged the next most mints for them in the paint. I believe portal got, got COVID while he's out there. He is able to play again though, but not having Trey Lyles. I mean, I just don't like anything for the Spurs. And to be honest with you, I also think the game is past grab pop ditch by and last thing here. I know crammed a lot in there. The Spurs are a completely different team at home than they are on the road. They were 16 and 14 this season at home, 11 and 22 on the road, which is absolutely atrocious. I mean, they've been known for having a great home crowd for years and years and years. I'm very, very, very out on the Spurs in the restart. I am supremely out on the Spurs in the restart. Um, I love Greg Popovich. I wouldn't say the game's passed him by as as of yet. I think it's it's going that way because of the way that he tries to keep these kind of bad teams together and just kind of add one or two pieces in the offseason. I like DeJounte Murray. I like Derek White. I like Bryn Forbes. I don't know if they have the talent to hang with any other team in the West except for the Suns. Nah, their paint play is going to be atrocious. I look for these other teams to murder them in the post. <laughs> and honestly, I'm going to be taking a lot of these guys' player props and a lot of these uh, – just big men in general, just to go off on them and DraftKings and whatnot, just because they're going to have no play in that low post whatsoever. And I'm not, let's, I'm just going to say this real quick. Greg Popovich, I don't know if you watched that USA basketball game when Greg Popovich was coaching us against France, the one we lost in FIBA, but we, I watched Rudy Gobert absolutely dominate us in the paint. He had Miles Turner, just the only big man I can name off the top of my head, but he had four or five other centers on that roster that were about seven feet or damn close to it, and he didn't play a single one of them in there and let it go down. So, my opinion, the game's passed him by. Um, let's move here to the Sacramento Kings. I'll go ahead and start us off on the Kings. So, the Kings had Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes got COVID. Rashawn Holmes broke the uh, quarantine barrier by going to pick up some food. He's probably some wings, some chicken wings. Yeah, some chicken wings. I think he ordered them from Magic City and had them specially sent all the way down to Orlando. Yeah, him and Lou Williams both. <laughs> yeah, Lou, that's what Lou Williams should have done. But anyway, De'Aaron Fox also turned his ankle and missed seven to ten days. I just think the chemistry is completely off. Also, Morgan Bagley tried to come out there and play and got injured. At first, I thought the Kings, because, I mean, they were in the same – I mean, they were the same amount of games back as the Blazers and Pelicans were, and they didn't have Bagley. At first, I thought, wow, this is the team nobody wants to talk about. They're the ones with the value. Like, I think they might be able to do something. But to be honest with you, I'm very out on the Kings, and I think that their chemistry is going to be off. Fox tried to play in one game since everything's returned, and he played absolutely awful. And also the Kings, when you look at the scores of their games, they played the lowest scoring games of any teams out here in Orlando. Buddy Heald did look good. That's about the only good thing I can say about him right now. 
the Kings have a sneaky, good lineup. They have a good group of guys. Um, Trevor Reza, Dwayne Dedman, Kent Bazemore, Alex Lynn, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Belitza. But missing Marvin Bagley, who I think is your best player at this point, is not does not bode well for them. Um, I think that their number right now is 3.5 for over-under wins. I would smash the under on the Sacramento Kings. I don't think they win more than two games. Yeah, um, I actually think that's a pretty decent bet there, Kellen. I might have to join you in taking that one as well. Um, you know, like you said, I really think not having Bagley out there. And honestly, I want to see Bagley in there because, in my opinion, he's one of the best young players in the league. But, I mean, he's got to stay healthy, man. So, things are not looking too good for the Kings. And I would say that – Defense is awful. Um, ha- as well as supporting a, uh, a, a record that's under 500. They outscored their opponents by 13 points per 100, 100 possessions whenever Belitza plays. But I don't know if they can keep up that pace. And the defense, to, ha- to outscore your opponents that bad and still have the record that you do – Defense is atrocious. Sailed. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm going to agree with you completely on that one. Um, let's move now to the two teams that I think are going to uh, be pretty tight, but I'll definitely tell you guys after we talk about, about uh, both of them. Actually, we'll wait till after we talk about the Grizzlies, what we think is going to happen in this West play. I'm going gar- hey, to guarantee, I don't know if there's a prop out there you can bet on for it. I haven't looked for it. Honestly, I'll put it on my Twitter if there is one out there, but, but um, I guarantee you there will be a play-in in the Western Conference, one of those two-game series. But let's talk about the Portland Trail Blazers here a little bit. So Blazers did a rough start of the season. They got hot. Then Damian Lillard went down. They managed to stay afloat, though, and they currently sit um, for making the playoffs right now. I believe it's three and a half games out, if I stand, if I stand corrected. But I think the, key, the thing that's going to hurt them is trying to make up for the lack of not having Trevor Reza. I thought he really changed the dynamics of this team when they traded for him. And I mean, I just, I just feel like it's going to hurt them, man, not having him out there. He gives you so he gives great three point shooting, great perimeter defense. I mean, I think he's probably top five. He's still probably a top five, three and D player in the league. When you're talking about role players, obviously Um, Nurkic has looked a little bit rusty. So is Zach Collins, both of them. I mean, and you already have a son white side. That's a lot of bigs. And a lot of these West teams are going to try to play small ball lineups and try to run up and down on you. Also, Dame only played in the first game, and Carmelo Anthony is shooting awful. I just think all those things adding up with the fact that Dame and CJ is already a smaller backcourt. I think that and Melo, we know how his defense is. I think these teams are going to absolutely torch the Blazers in that backcourt, and I just don't, I don't see things going well for them in the restart. It's good that you get Nurk and um, and Zach Collins back, but I don't think that they have enough in-game experience this year to kind of get their bodies ready. I think that. If, if, if this was a regular playoff series and nobody was at home sleeping in their own beds, I would feel okay about the Blazers, maybe for them to overtake the Grizzlies for that eight spot. But because we're in the bubble and because there have been so many other things, like you said, that have went wrong for them and their team isn't the most talented and they kind of swung and missed on a few of these additions, I'm sold on the, on the Blazers' nine, nine spot for them. Okay, okay. I'm actually kind of surprised we're on the same – but is that also their schedule is really hard. I only see two, like two games that they would be favored in that are like, in my opinion, like dead ass, like dead set they'll win rather than when I look at the Pelicans, which is our other team here, they're actually sit one game or half game behind the Blazers. I mean, the Pelicans defense, in my opinion, is awful. I mean, they just want to run up and down the court. It's a track meet when you play against the Pelicans, but they also have the easiest schedule of any team once the season restarts when you get out there. I mean, their schedule is practically a joke. They pretty much done play. on purpose. The NBA wants to get Zion in the playoffs. 
I actually don't think it was done on purpose because I think they tried to make it similar to how your schedule was supposed to be down the stretch. And the Pelicans actually had the easiest schedule in the entire NBA down the stretch of the season. So, I mean, I do agree with you, but at the same time, I don't agree with you that it was done on purpose. But I think that, I mean, I actually like the form too that they're in. I mean, I think that missing Zion, missing time won't really hurt their chemistry because, I mean, Zion didn't play with them for the first half of the year and he meshed fine with everything. And then all their important players looked well and were in good form once everything restarted. So, I mean, I really, really like the Pelicans' outcome. And, I mean, I think they're going to make some noise. Don't call me a jazz homer, but I think missing Derek Favors is going to be big for them. He does a lot in the pick and roll, and he's, he does a lot for the rebounds. Um, J.J. Redick really hasn't looked all that great. So, I think they're going to have a problem scoring, not only in the post, but out wide. Um the Pelicans do have the quickest pace of play in the entire NBA. That was a fact that was publicized today whenever the betters were betting on tonight's game. Um, if I had to bet, I would say that they probably make the final eight, but it all depends on Zion. It all depends on Zion. He's a game-time decision tonight. Does Zion play, and does Zion play well? Actually, Derek Favors is playing. I saw that he was out on Yahoo. On, on no, no, he's playing games. yet. Yeah, Yahoo's got that wow. I don't know what Yahoo's Dude, and, and, doing. and this was yesterday at 1 p.m. is when the article was was revised. Yeah, no, I mean, I, knew, I, mean, I know that you got definitely – yeah, what, bro, I'm going to have to call you. We're going to have to call Yahoo out for doing yeah, like that. Yeah, come on, Yahoo. Yeah, what the hell. But anyway, um, let's keep things moving here now to the Grizzlies, and then after we'll discuss it with what we think is going to happen with this AC. Um, I think the Grizzlies' lack of wings is going to hurt them. Ja Morant and Dylan Brooks looked very good. Jaron Jackson Jr. looked horrible. Brooks but, looked really good. But they – oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Brooks looked really good. He played bad one game, but other than that, I mean, he looked really, really good. It was just that first game too. But Jaron Jackson Jr. looks absolutely awful. I'm talking like three for 10, two for 11 type performances every single game. But I will say this, though. Brandon Clark played really well off the bench, and I think he can do more than enough to help them kind of replace Jaron Jackson Jr. in there if he's not playing well. Um, I think, though, that just that lack of wings, you know, they traded away Jay Crowder. They traded away, obviously, even though Iguodala didn't play for them, they traded him away. Justice Winslow isn't going to play at all. So I think that might come back to bite them in the ass a little bit. But overall, I think the Grizzlies, I mean, I still think the Grizzlies are a scary team. It can make some noise out here. I think the Grizzlies are a really young and really fun team to watch. I think the lack mm-hmm. of experience could hurt them. I don't think that they will miss the playoffs, but I think they're going to hover around that eight, and that's going to be close for them. If there's going to be a playoff game or a play-in game, it's going to involve them, and they better win. Uh, Justice Winslow really hadn't played a game for them yet, so I don't think missing Justice Winslow is that big of an issue. Um, I hate to pick low, low-hanging low fruit, but it is going to be all on the back of John Morant. Zaren Jackson Jr. will have to help a little bit, but John Morant is going to have to go dumbo mode for the Grizzlies to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think there's a 100% chance of there being a play-in. I mean, they play at Portland. I mean, well, technically not at, but they're the away team versus yeah. Portland and San Antonio. At Orlando, Portland. And they play Utah and Orlando. Um, I mean, and uh, – in New Orleans, not Orlando. Um, and then they have Oklahoma City. So, you know, that those the last three games, I mean, maybe Milwaukee will be taking the night off so they can catch them there. But, I mean, they definitely have a lot of swing door games. I see two for sure losses versus Toronto and Boston who will still be battling it out for that last seed. So, honestly, I think Memphis is going to have to play in the play-in. Let me ask you this, Cohen, before I tell you what I think is going to happen. Who do you think is going to play in this in this, uh, in this this um, eight-game, eight-seed game and why? And who do you think is going to win? Who do I think is going to play in the play-in game? Yeah. Um, or two games, I guess. If, if yeah, they're... yeah, the two-game series. 
God, I would say. Pelicans and still Memphis, or you think Memphis is going to fall out completely? God, dude, like I'm, I'm kind of down on Memphis. So I would, I would say the play-in game. I'm a little bit more down on the Blazers, so I will say Pelicans and Grizzlies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just don't see the Grizzlies losing enough games to fall out where that they wouldn't still have a better record than one of these two teams. I'm going to agree with you. I think it's to be Pelicans Grizzlies, but I actually think Memphis is going to win. I think that New Orleans is a good team. And I think they're young and fun to watch, but I really think if that new if that they get play Memphis two nights in a row on a neutral court, I mean, I think Memphis can beat them one of those two times. I would be I mean, willing I to disagree. I, I would flip the script on that one. If if it was two two games against each other on a on a neutral court, I think the Pelicans have a little bit better lineup than the Grizzlies, so I would pick them to win. Okay. I just see. I just feel like that if you play each other twice, that the Grizzlies will be able to win one of those two games. I think these teams are good, are similar enough in their skill and everything that I think they can win one of these two games. So, so all, all you have to actually, do is win one, just to fend off the the, the nine. Seed. Yeah, yeah. I think John Morant and the boys will get get it done one game. So I'm all, all you got to do is win one. That, that's not happens. a bad take because you do only have to win one. I do think the Pelicans are two games better than the Grizzlies at this point in their team build, but I don't know if they could actually in real life make that happen. That's what I'm saying. Beating somebody twice in a row is being in a neutral court is very, very hard to do. Like we even see these teams, like I've even seen, like, for example, last year, the 76ers play the Wizards. I mean, the Wizards were trash last year. The 76ers absolutely smoke them. Then they go back home where the 76ers haven't even lost at home yet in the in the Wizards come out there and beat them by 20 you know it's just like when you see a lot of these home and aways like even if you watch like the a team that's clearly better than the other team smoke that team on the road then they go back to the house and you're like oh they're gonna do it to them again now nah, that other team has an edge you know they're used to it they're pissed off i mean i i think that that translates over i mean it's pretty hard to beat a team twice in a row it is. so it is all right, let's um keep it going here and we are on now at the seven seed which is currently the dallas mavericks um, what are your question marks here for the Mavericks, and how do you think that they'll do um, once everything gets back going? I think that there's a lot of question marks around the in- injuries. Um, they have a they have their bench lineup almost on on the bench uh, injured: Dwight Powell, Jalen Brunson, Courtney Lee, and Willie Cauley Stein. Uh, my second question mark is obviously the obvious one: is um, can they get Luca some help? I don't think uh, Chris Tapps Porzingis has been that good in his stint with the Dallas Mavericks. I think that he's going to need to. Uh, up the, the the percentage in shooting i think he's shooting at the right clip right now in terms of number of shots but he needs to hit a few more of them um can they get luca some help i think luca can keep you in any game by himself but if you want to win the game you have to have some help yeah i'm gonna agree with you on that one i think luca and kp are gonna need some help i think kp will do enough honestly to help them out um i still have some questions about tim hardaway jr if he can find some consistency and shoot the ball well um he shot he did not shoot well in the last two games of the restart he shot three for eight and two for 11 so i mean that's pretty bad right there and to be honest with you i really don't like a lot of their supporting cast outside of that i mean they've lost some guys for the season and whatnot um i think that also michael um what's his name um from kentucky the big man willie call stein Oh. Yeah, not 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 kill Gilchrist though, but I mean, yeah, kid Gilchrist is on their team, but Willie Cauley Stein, he's sitting out. I think that's going to hurt them. Also, they did lose Dwight Powell for the season as well, and he was kind of one of their key role players that really helped them out. So overall, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the Mavericks form, but at the same time, I will say this though. If the Clippers or Nuggets get caught fooling around in this first round, I could definitely see Luca and K 
KP getting hot and sending them home. But I mean, I, I don't think that they have what it takes to take a, to take down a team like OKC or the Rockets or the Nuggets or the Lakers. I mean, um, the, as as we'll I could as, as as much as I'm down on, on a lot of teams, the Dallas Mavericks are probably the playoff team in the West, and I'm probably down the most on. Wow, wow. I mean, I'm definitely. I definitely think they're still a dangerous team. Like, I don't think you can go in there and not take them seriously, but I would definitely say at the same time that I'm not that scared of the Mavericks. You, you like, you have to take the Phoenix Suns seriously. You have to take every single team that you play seriously every every night. But I, I'm with you. I'm not scared. The only person I'm scared of on, on the Mavericks at this point is Luka Doncic. I'm, I'm not even scared of KP anymore until he shows me otherwise. I don't know. I think that KP was playing well right before the season ended, and also KP had even more time to recover from that knee surgery. So I'm very scared of poisoning this, and I think he's gonna do some work out here. Show me, prove me wrong, and I'll, and I'll change my tune. <laughs> hey, I like it. I like how you hold your stance right there. Up next, we'll talk about the Houston Rockets, and you know what? I'll let you go first since y'all know how much I want to talk about the Rockets. So I'll let Cohen say his fill first. Houston Rockets are a really good team. They are built with a lot of talent. Um, I do love James Harden, even though he gets a lot of hate. Um, I hate the way he plays the game, but I do like James Harden in particular. Russell Wilson or Wilson, Russell Westbrook. We get what we get out of him. He's a uh, he's the exact opposite of a wild card. You know what he's going to give you on a playoff game basis. Um, do I think they're going to be hurt by the small ball lineup that, they, that they've adopted? Yes. Do I think that it's going to hurt them to the point to where they can't win games? No. Um, I think that they're at a disadvantage in this bubble because they don't have the bigs that some of the other teams have, like the Portland Trailblazers, like the Utah Jazz, like the Pelicans. But I think that their front-end guard talent is a miles better than almost every other team in the West. So the Rockets will probably keep their spot. Do I think that they're dangerous to win several playoff series in a row? No. Do I think they can hang with the Lakers or Clippers? No. But are they primed to go get that three four five seed yes see i think the rockets actually like where they're sitting right now like i said you know i think every single team's trying to stay out of that four or five spot man nobody wants to see the lakers until until they can as late as possible um i actually think the cue for the rockets if that three ball is going to drop the team looks like they're in good form eric gordon did get hurt but i mean he played in 34 games all season they played fine without him so I don't think losing Eric Gordon is the end of the world. Russell Westbrook looks a little sloppy, but I think he'll play everything back into shape because, I mean, he was gone for a couple days with COVID and everything. So I think he's still trying to get everything back together. But ultimately, look, I think everything's playing to the Rockets' advantage right now. The Lakers, they don't have Avery Bradley anymore. They don't have Rondo. I mean, the Clippers, they're shuffling to even get things figured out. They don't even know who's going to be able to play and win. I mean, there's a lot of negatives right now with the Clippers that I'll get into here in a minute. But I think everything's playing very well into Houston's advantage. And I think if anything, that they would rather play the Clippers or the Nuggets in the first round, especially since they own the Clippers in the shoot. I think they'd want to play any of these teams in the first round, as long as they can avoid the Lakers in the second round. I don't think it matters which one of them they play in the first round, but I really, really, really like the Rockets form right now. I think James Harden, the boys are ready. And I mean, as much as y'all think James Harden's play drops off in the playoffs, it literally doesn't. And it's proven statistically that he's the exact same player, basically, that he is in the regular season. So I think all that narrative and everything, the Rockets are going to come out here. There's going to be no fans booing them. It's Harden and Westbrook's time, and they're going to be able to run these teams in the floor with that small ball lineup. I – yes, James Harden's play does not dip in the playoffs, but his – his culpability does. 
Even if his stats don't drop off in the playoffs, his team find, doesn't find a way to win. And that's the reason where me and all these other pundits are down on the Rockets. I'm not necessarily down on the Rockets because I think there are a lot of teams in the West that got worse due to injuries and COVID. So the Rockets, to your point, yes, are in a good spot. Do they scare me to beat the Lakers or the Clippers? No. Hey, that's trust me. We'll 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 have that debate here in a few minutes. Anyway, let's uh, keep it let's keep it moving here, and let's talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're currently sit in the five seed. To everyone's surprise, who thought they'd be back in the lottery again. Um, my my biggest question mark for them was if they would be able to make enough three pointers, and they're 18th in the league at threes. I think that Danilo Gallinari is their best sharpshooter, and he shot absolutely awful in these preseason games. Also. Chris Paul did not shoot well either in these games. He didn't even play in one of the games, and he just lost to a girl in a horse competition. I just thought I'd throw that in there because I'm still salty with him for losing that. Um, I personally think that OKC is – I kind of think that this killed their momentum, but at the same time, Oklahoma City was the best team in the NBA when it came to playing on the road, when it came to playing as an underdog and all that stuff. So, I mean – I really think that OKC has the right numbers and everything that I want to see coming into this. I just don't know if they have the momentum and everything coming in. I mean, that Gallinari shooting bad really, really scares me because I mean, they're 18th in the league in threes and we know what teams like the Rockets, the Clippers, and all these teams want to do is they just want to bang threes home on you. Yeah. I would like to think that the Rockets will overtake the Oklahoma city thunder for this spot in the playoffs. Uh, the thunder are actually one of the more healthy teams in the playoffs. They're only missing Isaiah Roby, which is really not, that big of an impact. Um, Chris Paul in the playoffs is usually really good individually, but his teams have been known to kind of drop the ball as a whole. Um, the Thunder really don't scare me as a team, as a whole team build. Chris Paul does. Um, I would be willing to say that they're going to be worse in the bubble than out, though. Okay. I, I mean, I definitely think that's interesting. I don't know. The Thunder, to me, is a team that I really can't get get my grasp on well right now. You know what because I mean? Because they don't really have like a whole it. lot of talent, so it's really hard to grade them. But they play play well as a team, and they're well coached. But you don't know how that how all that stuff holds up inside a bubble in this vacuum. I don't know. I disagree a little bit. I think they have a lot of talent. I think they just have some slept on talent that's not getting the respect it deserves. I just don't. I just feel like that they were hot and they had a lot of momentum. And I don't know if that's going to change or anything here with it going to the bubble play. So that's why I still have a lot of questions with them. Anyway, let's move to your Utah jazz. Since the, I'll let you start out the Rockets. You got to let me start with the jazz. Start um, them out. I, I am very, very, very down on the jazz coming in here. They do not have Bodanovich anymore, who, in my opinion, is their second best scorer and their best clutch time score. Donovan Mitchell has been known to disappear um, also, there's a lot of locker room drama as well with the whole Mitchell and Gobert thing. So that's going to be something else to overcome. Joe Ingles, the replacement for Bogdanovich, shot the ball horribly. Um, and the Jazz fall into the categories, one of those teams that play substantially better at home than they do away. I think all those teams adding up, I'm selling the on the Jazz, and I wouldn't be surprised if they drop to the fifth or sixth. I mean, I, they will for sure drop to the fifth seed. I don't know, but if they'll drop to the sixth seed or not. Um, I am not down, down, down on the Utah Jazz. My, my favorite team in the NBA, the Utah Jazz, my Utah Jazz. But I am down. Losing by Donovich hurts. Statistically, he was our second best scorer. Um, I think he was our best shooter from outside. Um, out, mm-hmm. um, not even statistically, but actually on, on the court. Um, Jazz play at one of the, I think, bottom three slowest paces in, in the league, I think, which will help them out in these playoff games on a game-to-game basis. Do I see the Jazz competing with the Lakers, Clippers, Rockets, 
Nuggets, all that, no, because we've lost our second best shooter. Um, I like to downplay the the Mitchell and Gobert rift because if you watched the um, the scrimmage games, they 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 played well on the court. There was mad alley oops thrown. Like I don't think that the rift causes problems on the floor, but it does cause problems for the front office in the locker room. Um, all that being said, I think the Jazz. Any other time, if they were able to have fans, or if Bogey was here, or anybody, I, I would be on the Jazz. But reluctantly, I'm going to sell them. Sell the Jazz. Hey, I respect that, Cohen. I know it's hard for you as a fan to sell up on your team. Super so. hard. Like, like I'm dying inside right now as you're saying this. Yeah. No. Hey, I respect it though. Gotta always respect someone giving an honest opinion on their squad. Um, up next, we have the Denver Nuggets, who currently sit in the three seed. Um, my, actually, you know, I'll let you go first again on this one. What do you think about the Nuggets coming in here? Jokic can, can carry your team because he plays inside-out basketball and leads the team from the post in terms of passing and ball movement. Um, I think that can help against a team that likes to rip the pace like the Pelicans and stuff like that. Do I think that they can compete with the Lakers and Clippers? No. Do I think they are a really good team otherwise? Yes. I think they'll win their three, four games, hold their spot, but ultimately it's just for a moot point. Yeah, I'm actually – the Nuggets are a very tricky team to me here. I mean, they're very – I think they're just still, though, at the end of the day, a year or two too young. They're yet to play their full lineup together at once. Also, Jamal Murray missed the first two games – or missed the first two games. He played in the last game, and he played well, which is a good sign, but – I don't know. This team has had so many players show up at different times and everything. I feel like the chemistry and togetherness might be a little bit off for the Nuggets. Um, also, the Nuggets have that massive home court advantage, like you just said, in Denver. Um, I think all those being played out, I think the Nuggets might be able to win some games when they get out here. But at the end of the day, I don't see them as a threat still in the playoffs. I think they're still a year or two away from being that threat. I think Jamal Murray needs to settle in a little bit more and get more consistent, which is only going to come with age. He's only 23 years old. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., he's still a young buck, still trying to find his way in the league. He's doing a good, damn good job of it, but, I mean, he's still got a ways to come along. Bull Bull as well, still got a ways to come along. I think in the next next two, even next year and even the next year after that, I think the Nuggets are one of the most scary teams in the entire West and could have kind of a Warriors blow up where they get what they yeah. get to take them over the top, but I think it's still just a little too soon. Me too. Um, I know that we all re- love and respect the Nuggets role players like uh, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Will guys like real. that. Um, they're going to have to go with a real tall ball lineup, especially a bowl bowl gets expended, extended minutes. And I think that helps them out actually being able to play Jokic at the four instead of the five. But I don't know if they have enough top end talent and shooting to carry them over the hump against the great mm-hmm. teams in the West. No, I they'll, they'll, they'll win some games and they'll keep their spot and they'll, you know, put up a respectful performance. But I think they're a little bit overrated at, at, at the three seed. I'm not saying my jazz would be any better at the three seed, but in a vacuum, I don't think the Nuggets are a three seed team. They are, they are really good, but they're not really, really, really good. No, I agree with you completely on that. And also, too, I mean, I think they kind of lack a scorer who can take over and get a bucket whenever you need it. Jokic is more of kind of like a – you know, he's a, he's a, Yeah, he's, he's kind of a great all-around player, but his mm-hmm. offense isn't where you want it to be to take over yeah. at the end of a game. That's why I think Jamal Murray needs to come along and Michael Porter Jr. because they're the kind of guys who will hit those big shots for you down the road. I just think it's a little too soon for both of them. Um, let's get – let's – speed things up here let's go to the clippers and i'll start off the clippers to be completely honest with you look a lot can change between these eight games and when the playoffs start but as if the playoffs started right now i would be very out on the clippers and you would also see me throw down some money on the dallas mavericks to win that series um Kawhi has shot absolutely atrocious in these games since he's been back he went three for eight 
Then he went um, six for or six for 22 in the last game and then six for 15 in the second game. So, I mean, Kawhi is not shooting the ball well at all, which really, really scares me. Paul George has been decent shooting the ball, but still not on the exact level you want to see him. The thing that scares me the most, though, is this team is two and five this season without Patrick Beverly. But not having him and not having Lou Williams, who played the best of any of their players in those preseason games, hurts a lot because these are the point guards who move the ball. Reggie Jackson is a respectable point guard. But after him, I mean, Terrence Mann didn't even play point guard at Florida State. And the fact you all think he's going to be your next point guard, I don't think that's going to happen. Kawhi is not a crazy assist guy. Paul George is not a crazy assist passer either. Those guys are more scorers, slow the game down for themselves. Also, Ebik Zubat is out of shape still from coronavirus. He said it yesterday in his interview. He still feels a little out of shape. And Montrose Harrell's not there with the team. You take away your two best bench players who are two of the top five players in the league off the entire bench, probably number one and three in the league off the bench, in my opinion. I mean, all those things has me very, 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 very down on the Clippers right now. Yeah, um, this is really not playing in, into their hands right now. I know that we all are hearing the, oh, this was built for the Lakers and the Pelicans to showcase the stars. Da, 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 da. I think the the Clippers, um, when they're all healthy and everybody reports, I think they're a better team than the Lakers. But because of what you said, all the drama that's went on with Lou Williams going to Atlanta to go to Magic City to pick up some wings, and with Montrez Harrell having to go tennis and family matters, and Zubak is still out of shape, and – Patrick Beverly's not going to be with the team. I think that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can play up to the level to carry this team, even to the Lakers, um, because whenever Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are off the floor, they outscore their opponents by 12 points per 100 possessions, which is good enough to kind of have some drop-off from Lou Williams not being there and Terrence Mann having to play point guard. But all signs point to they're the second best team in the West right now in this situation, and the Lakers are number one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, too. I mean, I definitely think the Clippers will have a chance to turn things around and fix them. And if they can, I think the Clippers are the best team in the entire NBA. They're the deepest. I mean, they have two superstars. Also, Kawhi Leonard can turn it on when he wants to. That's why part of me thinks that he might just not even really care and he's just kind of get some yeah, shots he, up in he, these this, games. This is just him him reporting to the to the office, you know, like this is just him just doing what he's got to do to be able to play yeah. tomorrow. That's what I'm saying, but as of right now until the Clippers can prove it to me with the eye test, I'm going to be out on them, but we'll give ourselves both a chance to change our uh change our um finals predictions right before that we switch to the playoffs. So I mean, we'll still give ourselves one more chance to see what we have and everything. Last team we got to talk about here before we go to our predictions is the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'll be honest with you, it's pretty damn hard to find something to not like about the Lakers right now. I mean, I watched all their games since the restarts. Yes, they don't have Avery Bradley or Rondo, but they seem to not miss a beat. To be honest with you, yeah, that hurts not having Avery Bradley for defense and Rondo would be the second team point guard. But LeBron James is the best point guard in the NBA. He might not play point guard, but he's the best point guard in the league when it comes to passing and getting your teammates involved and getting what needs to be done on offense. Not to mention Anthony Davis. Did Chris Paul die last night? I, hey, know I would take the Le- headline. I, 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 take just, Le- I just didn't know. I'd, I'd take LeBron James passing any day of the week over Chris Paul. That might be a cold take, but I mean, LeBron Icy James cold. passing is next level. Freezing I don't care. Cold. Chris Chris Paul might know how to, I mean, and the way LeBron runs a team. I mean, Chris Paul might be a little better on the defensive end, but LeBron's a better scorer and better. I don't know, man. I think it's tough. I think it's tough. That's, hey, that's a good debate right there for another day, but Ultimately, I mean, I really like the Lakers' outlook. They look great in these games. Deion Waiters actually looked really, really good with his shot creation, which I think adds a whole new level that this team was missing. And J.R. Smith shot well, too, in one of the games. So, I mean, 
honestly, the Lakers, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say they're in a better position than they were at the end of the regular season. But I mean, I'd say the Lakers are in a very similar position. They're in a better position than they were to end the year. I think this bubble helps LeBron. Um, I think this bubble was built for LeBron and Zion. I think that the Lakers are a team that benefits the most from this whole situation. Um, I, I think 100% that the Clippers are a better team than the Lakers, but because we're in the bubble, because the Clippers have had some mishaps, because the Lakers are playing better at this time in this vacuum this week than the Clippers are, I would give the Lakers a slight edge. Yeah, right now I would definitely give the Lakers the edge to win the Western Conference. I mean, I don't think that there's any way the Lakers or the Bucks get caught to win as the regular season now in the playoffs. It's uh, what, what I mean, it's tough for me, but as of right now, gun to my head, I'm going to pick the Lakers as well to emerge out of the Western Conference. Yeah, I know it's really chalky to pick the Lakers and the Bucks both come out. I just don't see anybody that can beat the Bucks in the Clippers form they're in right now. I don't think they can take down the Lakers. I think the Rockets will have a very, very, very good shot at taking them down. And I think if those two teams play each other, it's going to go seven games. See, the only problem is, though, I don't know where they're both going to meet each other. We don't know what our final seating is going to be yet, which really affects things. But to be honest with you, I think I have the Rockets and the Lakers as the two best teams in the league right now, in my opinion. But if the Rockets cross the Bucks' path in the finals, I don't think the Rockets can beat the Bucks just because they have no one to stop Giannis. Um, I'm going to take my two teams out of each conference. Um, I'm going to say that the Clippers are going to figure it out and, and, and are going to emerge out of the Western Conference. I this is strictly because I want to scrap this notion of, oh, this is LeBron's year, da da da, da. I, I hate that. I hate that narrative. So I'm going to pick the Clippers because they have more depth, and they're, in my opinion, a better team at close to full strength than the Lakers are. Lakers have made some good moves with J.R. Smith and getting Deion Waiters. Um, I don't know if they have the depth to compete with the Clippers. The fact that the the Clippers are, you know, kind of going through some things right now doesn't bode well for their success. I like the Lakers today better than than the Clippers, but we got to think two weeks from now. So two weeks from now, I like the Clippers a little bit better than the Lakers. Um, it'll be a seven-game series. It'll be, you know, the series of heavyweights, and it'll be all that. But on the Eastern side of things, I like the Boston Celtics to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Hey, I really like the fact, Cohen, you didn't go with the most chalky prediction right there. I think that's I always a smart thing. It's always a smart thing to do. Look, my main reasoning for picking the Lakers is you got to think about it this way. LeBron James, by far the richest player in the NBA. If anybody's going to have the best gym in-house to work out at, at when the season, you know what I mean? When you're in the in the break, it's going to be LeBron James. LeBron James had to sit here every single day. I don't know how much he read into it, but I know damn sure that he knew it was going down. And listen, every single Sunday after every last dance was over about how much better Michael Jordan is than him and how he can't live up to it. And also, also how, the, motivation how the comparison with, was not from LeBron to Michael Jordan. It was Kobe to Michael Jordan. LeBron doesn't like playing third fiddle. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And I just felt like LeBron feels a little disrespected with that entire documentary. And also he has the fact that, you know, what happened to Kobe and they're trying to do everything for Kobe. I think this is the most motivated LeBron's in the gang's ever been. LeBron feels like the NBA has given him a second chance here to win a championship. He knows the window's closing very, very quick. He knows Katie and Kyrie and other teams are coming for him. I like the Lakers the way everything looks right now. Look, the Clippers, as much as you can say, who knows what's going to happen in two, three weeks. I mean, at the same time, Cohen, it, you can't just flip a switch like that and get chemistry Man. going. I feel like the Clippers yeah. all season long, we've said, oh, they'll come together. They'll come together. Well, now's the time. If the Clippers get things together, I will take the Clippers to win the NBA finals right here, right now. I'm taking the Los Angeles Lakers. 
Yeah, um, and you also got to realize, to your point about the Lakers, um, the Clippers ha- have a lot of guys who have gotten in trouble for kind of crossing the picket line with the COVID and the quarantine and stuff like that. You know LeBron has a tight handle on his team. He's not letting anybody fuck up. He's not letting anybody do anything outside the ordinary. Business trip for LeBron and the Lakers, and I think that Anthony Davis is a really, really, really good running mate to have LeBron for. If the Clippers get it together, which I think they can, I'm not saying they will, I think they can. I think the Clippers are a bit better of a team. But in a vacuum today, like if we're talking about today, if the finals was played today, yeah, LeBron will win. Clippers have got two weeks to figure things out. They've got the more depthy team. They've got a better overall lineup, if you ask me. i got to go with the Clippers. Hey, I I can definitely respect that. We'll definitely see what happens. It's going to be fun. I wouldn't rule the Rockets out either, especially if the Clippers look don't get things together. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, like, there's in my opinion, there's only three teams that can come out of the West. There's only three teams that can come out of the East. But in my opinion, there's only two. There's only th- uh, three teams that can win the championship, which is the Bucks, Lakers, or Clippers. Because I mean, if the Bucks play the Rockets, Giannis will absolutely murder them in the paint. I don't think they'll be able to stop him. I mean, ever since the Rockets have done what they've done and they go up against Giannis, he goes for forty plus every single time against them. So. I don't like their outlook against them. I actually think they'll – I mean, I know for a fact the Rockets would absolutely smoke the Celtics if they played them in the finals. So, I, if the Rockets make it there, I hope you're right about that part. Let's put it that way. Let's hope. Um, let's see. So, we went over who won the eight seed. We gave our predictions for who would come out of where and everything. Um, is there anything anything else we need to discuss before we uh, I don't break think, down tonight's I, I don't games think it's worth saying that I do think the Clippers will beat whoever comes out of the East. Let's just, like, I don't think any Eastern Conference team has a chance against the Western Conference team that makes it. No, I agree with you. I just, didn't, I just didn't know if, if people thought that we missed our final, our NBA champion prediction or what. But once whatever Western Conference team goes is going to win. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that as long as it's not the Rockets versus the versus the Bucks. The Rockets versus anyone else, they'll be fine. Yeah, but we know um, the Rockets are there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever, Cohen. Hey, I, that's the way we want it. We'd rather be slept on than overrated. So Good, that's all I got to say on that matter. Hey, I, I, I love that. I love that slept on mentality. Yeah, um, let's go ahead and pull the lines up. I think the line moved again. I put it out this morning when it was uh, when it was lower. Yeah, it did a little bit. All right, let's go ahead and break these games down here real quick so we have the utah jazz versus the new Orleans pelicans i'm going to say versus for all these because whoever the home team is is this the right now line or is it the opening line this is we're going to go with a right now line so the over under is currently at 28 or 228 and a half and the spread is the is the new Orleans pelicans minus two and a half um the opening line on the total moved up from 218 and a half to 228 and a half Good. the uh opening line mm. on the um on the jazz move from from uh actually the jazz is minus one and a half to now them plus two and a half with the pelicans the favorite what are you what all right for, are you playing either of these two games and even if you're not give me your leans for the total or the side i've got I've got, I, I've got i've got three plays uh, you're gonna have to repeat that the lakers clippers total to me but wait for that let's talk about the utah jazz versus the new orleans pelicans um this is a battle of salt and pepper if you ask me you have a team that blisters pace talking about the pelicans and a team that really slows mm-hmm. down pace in terms of the jazz for that reason alone i don't think this game can get anywhere near 228 and a half under 228 if it was 218 and a half i would still lean under i think that the pelicans will do everything they can to push the pace and to score but because the jazz are a more veteran led team i think the jazz will be able to dictate the pace of this game no matter if they win or they lose i've got under 228 and a half 
Okay. And then for the, um, for the side total, um, I wouldn't have played Utah minus one and a half at the opening line. But now that we're plus two and a half, I love that spot. Close game no matter what. I think Utah has a 52% chance to win this game straight up. So I'm going to go Utah plus two and a half just to go ahead and keep the, 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 the close game. And then if Utah wins, that's even better. Interesting. So I'm actually thinking the exact opposite on both sides of you in this Good. game. That's how we want Look, it. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how we want it. Honestly, the, hey, that's the best thing though to listen to. And so I didn't, I didn't touch anything on the total. I'm going to say this in regards to the total. I really think that the Jazz will not be able to put their style of basketball in this game. I think they're going to try to get into a track meet with the Pelicans, which is exactly what the Pelicans want. And so I think there's going to be a lot of running up and down this court. I think the final score, I think both teams are going to score. And I think the winner of this team is going to be in the upper to, uh, honestly, probably the mid-120s. And I think the Jazz are going to score a decent bit too just to hang around this game. I mean, the Pelicans' defense is atrocious. I'm not even going to sit here yeah. and try to tell you all the Pelicans are going to stop them. It's, it's going to be a track meet, guys. I like a high-scoring game, especially with all that movement. Now, I will say this, though, in your favor, Cohen. There's been a 10-point line move. I could see it following somewhere in between that, but overall, I would still if, – if I played anything on the total, I would play the over. But to be honest with you, I don't even really want to play totals right now because I don't – there's a lot of factors that I still yet. need to see. We haven't yeah, seen I still play. think there's we, a lot of – it is. Yeah, the backdrops, like so many things are going to be different. Like, I just don't know what to do with on totals. I will say this. I'll say, though, I'll, I'll, very... I'll, I'll say this. The scrimmages were good. There was a bit more energy that, than I anticipated. There was a bit more competitiveness than I anticipated. But I don't think those three scrimmages are going to get you ready for this eight-game sprint. No, absolutely. I agree with you on that part. Um, I will say this, though. I feel very strongly about the Pelicans. Um, I mean, minus two and a half is a good bet, in my opinion. But – why not just make a minus 135 on the money line and leave the points to be? Because, I mean, sketchy shit can happen with an NBA with an NBA spread. Bo- so last year, or this season when both these teams played, Boban Bogdanovich averaged 29.7 points per game in all three meetings versus the Pelicans. He's out tonight and out for the season. The Jazz went 2-1 and one in the series, and the Pelicans weren't healthy in either matchup. Um, New Orleans won by six in overtime without Drew Holiday, Zion, and J.J. Redick, and they lost by four in the other one. So, I mean, in my opinion, the fact that they were missing all those guys for both matchups in New Orleans and they split them and could have easily won the second one, all that leads me here to the the New Orleans Pelicans. Plus, they're in better form right now as well, in my opinion. So, I got to go with New Orleans, man. Taking somebody out of the average 29.7 with a high-scoring game like that, it's going to hurt. Um, even um, now, if I do lose the side, I, I, I do say that losing Bogdanovich is a big reason why the under is going to hit. Okay. Okay. I like that. Our last game here and my AirPods are getting low on battery on me. Beep, of course, beep, beep. Um, we got the, yeah, I just got the little beep beep. Um, we got the Clippers versus the Lakers. The total currently sits at tw- uh, 219 and a half. It opened at 218 and a half. So it's gone up one, uh, one whole point. Um, and then the spread opened it as a PK, and now it is at Lakers minus five. Um, I actually put this one out on my Twitter earlier. I said take the Lakers money line minus one ninety for just one unit to win. What I think it plays out like a little over over point over half a unit, and then take the Lakers minus four. My main reasoning being is for exactly what I told y'all earlier. The Clippers are in horrible form. They have no chemistry right now. Kawhi's playing awful. Lou Williams isn't playing. Zubots is out of shape. Um, Markeith Moore showed up late to the bubble. You don't have Montrez Harrell. You don't have pa- actually Patrick Beverly's status hasn't been confirmed yet. He did practice day, but I mean, he hasn't been with the team. He's not going to, he's not going to be, the chemistry will not be there. Let's put it this way. He has not been there. 
And it was when you don't have your have your point guards in the NBA, they're the key to moving the ball around. I see no one else in the Clippers lineup that can move the ball around. Lou Williams leads them in assists. Beverly, in my opinion, honestly, isn't even that great of an offensive guy. And I don't even He's think not. that like his impact's that crazy in this game. I think the fact that they're not going to have Lou Williams and that Kawhi's in such poor form and no Montrez Harrell, I mean, you're missing the two best players in the league off the bench. I think that's too much for them to overcome. Actually, the Lakers roll and smoke them here in this game. Total-wise, I would stay under the total. I think the Clippers' offense is going to be pretty whack, and I think they're going to try to slow things down. And uh, I think that Kawhi will do a decent job on defense and whatnot. I think him and Paul Jordan really try to dig in, dig deep on that end. So I'm going to go under the total, but I'm not playing anything on the total. Um, I'm going to go under on the total just because this is going to play like a playoff game, so the intensity is going to be a little bit ramped yep. up. Um, these two teams, I wouldn't say they hate each other, but they really don't like each other, and this is going to play like the like the, they like hate the each other. Western Conference Finals matchup that we all the hope and hope and love happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that the I have Clippers bought the half point to go to five. Clippers can keep this game within five points because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George the combo of those two guys is better than LeBron plus whoever. So they're going to hang around in this game. I don't think they'll win, but they're going to keep it within five points. And because it's going to be a scrappy kind of playoff game type atmosphere, I'm going to stay under 218 as well. Okay. Okay. I'm, you know, I can, you know, I definitely don't hate the trying to play against that. I just don't think there's enough public action on the Lakers to really go against them. And I just think that no point guards, man, are going to And we're going to fade the it. public because Lakers got 60% of the money on them. Fade the public, baby. Vegas is never wrong. Ooh, I'm seeing 59%, but I mean, whatever. But anyway, Samantha. the last thing I want to, hey, the last thing I do want to say though about the matchup and everything um, is, is just that, Actually, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Whatever. It was. It didn't even really matter on my handicap. So, <laughs> I drew a little blank there. But, God. Cohen, anything you want to say before we get out of here? It's been a long one, man. No, I think we covered everything. Let's see what time we're at. We we stuck to right about an hour and ten minutes. So, we're okay. We're, okay, not, we're not too, too bad. Yeah, I might need it. No, I'm kidding. I'm not taking a little nap. I'm about to get. I'm about to maybe drink a coffee and get hyped up for these games. Um, y'all holler at us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, at TP3Wins, and then on Instagram at TP3Bets. Um, let me know what you're thinking about these games. Um, by the oh, by the way, the Pelicans just moved from minus two and a half to minus two. So, mm. people, it look, sharps might be agreeing with you there, Cohen. But yeah, follow me on those and holler at us, Cohen. Plug yourself and take us out of here, please. Okay, I'll do it, Thomas Penland. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Cohen Hughes. You can find me on Instagram at Cohen underscore Hughes. Find me on Facebook at Cohen Hughes, C-O-H-E-N-H-U-G-H-E-S. I do not do Twitter. I've been kicked off of there. Um, You can find the podcast page at TDD Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hit us up, guys. Let us know what you think about the action. Let us know what you thought about the episode. Did we get it wrong? Did we get it right? We love feedback, whether it's good or bad. We're not scared. We're not little pussies. we got thick skin. We can take some good feedback. Um... Looking forward to a great set of games tonight. I'm hype already. I'm shaking right now. My feet are sweaty. I'm going crazy right now. I cannot wait to watch the Utah Jazz play again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the collaboration of TP3 and Daily Degenerate Podcast. We sincerely hope you enjoyed. Hit us up. Thanks for listening.